Greetings and good day from Three Gens Theology. We are three generations of brothers in Christ, but not brothers at all. Father-in-law and son. That's what we are. What was that? That's the cheesiest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Let's try for something. (laughs) Um, We are much different in age is what I was going for. Here you go. Difference, you wouldn't uh, have guessed that. Difference in age, right? right. I'm uh, <laughs> two that are immature and one that is more mature. <laughs> we'll allow two you that to two that are older and one that is younger. So we'll let you figure out the figure that out. Well, it's good to be with you again. We'll we'll get a little more serious here, uh, talking about pneumatology and sharing uh, with you these truths about how the Spirit works. Uh, we've been talking about how the Spirit was working alongside Christ, and now we'll move on to uh, His work in the church. And uh, looking forward to that today for sure. Uh, you know, the Spirit's power is available to you, and you can live uh, with His leadership, uh, with His wisdom uh, available to you. And uh, I want you to be encouraged as we talk about that uh, today as we get started. Jim, why don't you pray for us, and then you can jump in there. Heavenly Father, as we uh, move into yet another discussion of the Holy Spirit, how thankful we are for the Holy Spirit, for the Spirit of God at work in our lives and the lives of your family around the world. We're so grateful for the power that he gives us, the abilities to uh, not only understand your word, but to apply it to situations when we desperately need your help. The Spirit of God is there. When we need to uh, share the good news with others, the Spirit of God is at work. We're so grateful, Lord, for the Holy Spirit and all of his work, and we just pray that today as we speak about him, that we might do so with accuracy, with, uh, with grace, and with love, not only for, for you, but also for the folks who are listening who need to understand, along with us, more about you. Great God, guide us and direct us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hmm. Imagine yourself standing in a crowd, crowd of individuals who love and fear the Lord God of Israel. You're gathered in a large place. There are many, many, many of you around. And suddenly, the people who are near the front of the room have something occur that you've never seen in your lifetime. It's like fire is coming from the tops of their heads and then they begin to uh, to rejoice and to jump around and then to speak in your language and the language of the person next to you and, and others. Everyone is understanding what they have to say and what they have to say is extremely interesting. They're claiming that there is one who has come whom we had all hoped for, the Messiah that he's come, that he's accomplished amazing things, and that we need to receive him, to look to him, this Jesus who, who died and rose again. Imagine yourself in that room. Imagine that moment. Imagine the thoughts that you might have, some making fun, uh, uh, saying that they must be drunk, but others listening carefully and realizing that this is a work of God. And it's bringing about a change that is desperately needed. That's where we're going today as we begin what we're talking about, thinking about the day of Pentecost and how the church began. 
through the work of the Spirit of God. As we've stated before, the Jesus saying of the Spirit, it's good for you that I go away. Um, I think sometimes we, we um, diminish the authority, the power of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. as a redheaded stepchild of the, of the Trinity, right? And that's just not the case at all. Uh, when Christ offers the Spirit um, before he leaves, he says, it's good for me to go so that the Comforter can come. Um, <clears throat> that is then played out there at Pentecost. Yes. That uh, the the power and the specialness and the uh, obvious uh, um, godly authority, you know, that's that's there uh, is is um, a beautiful start to the church. It really is. Yeah. You would never have thought as a disciple who had been told by Jesus to go up and and wait in Jerusalem for the power of the Holy Spirit was going to come to them, you would never have realized what that was going to look like any more than those people who were standing there in that great crowd of, uh, of believers from different countries, many different countries, all of whom were treated to the experience of having the Holy Spirit come and give the disciples the ability to be able to proclaim the truth about Jesus Christ and for all of those people who were there from dozens and dozens of countries around Israel understand what they were saying in their own language. No one would have expected that, including the disciples Mm -hmm. on that day. Uh, As I was reading Acts 2 this uh, last uh, week, it's interesting. Um, It is related because it's related to the Spirit's work, but not necessarily for for this discussion, but there's no there's no work there's no evidence in Acts two that there are unknown tongues there mm-hmm. that that is other tongues yep. and then the people hear their own language right um, and so I, the the um, the pulling from that other tongues the idea of it being a a, a heavenly language or a or a mystical language or something. Uh, it's just it's just not naturally there. No. Um, and so I think that's a that's an important um, when you when you view the Spirit's work that is miraculous in the Book of Acts, and it is. Yes. Um, don't throw on top of it um, current understanding. Look at what it says for what it says. That's right. Right. Very true. Yeah. I'd, Can- Go ahead. Can I? So this might be further off topic than we want to get, but so I've heard, I've heard a couple of different thoughts there. I'm interested in what your guys's opinions are. Do you think the disciples were speaking in multiple different languages, or do you think they were speaking in language they knew, and the Holy Spirit was translating to the ears of the people listening? I think that one of the things that this passage takes us back to is the Tower of Babel. We, we find at the, tower, the story of the Tower of Babel that because of the disobedience of the people in spreading out the way the Lord wanted them to do, he changed their languages. He, he modified them to the degree that they couldn't understand each other when they spoke. And all of these different people then had to gather together with those who had a language similar to theirs that they might 
move on and do God's will. Now that's pretty freaky, isn't it? I mean, it just is pretty freaky that one, you're just you understand English and then boom, you understand exactly. French and not English anymore. Exactly, it's just it's, just, it's <laughs> freaky, right? And now here we have, and and the answer to the question, and it's a good question, Sai. The answer to the question, I think, is that now in the undoing of that issue, if you will, we have a limited number of disciples, but a large number of countries that are represented. And if you count the countries that are mentioned in Acts chapter 2, you'll find them that being much more than the disciples could have handled by themselves. And so what appears to be happening is that through the Holy Spirit's work, whatever they said was sort of like the United Nations, if you will, with translators all around, but not enough translators to meet the needs of all of these people. He was working in their minds to enable them to hear the language that was being spoken in their own tongue. Well, verse 4 says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Yes. So... Um, as the Spirit giving them utterance, so it, I don't. I think the Scripture would say that the speakers are speaking other tongues. They are not my, my not, point not is, the hearers hearing other tongues. No, my my point is that the speakers are speaking. But if we look at the messages that are given, they're rather extensive. So it's kind of hard to imagine that they're just standing up there. Okay, here comes Arabic. Okay, here you know, there's something special going on there that involves not only their speaking the languages in other tongues, mm -hmm. but also the understanding of the hearers as yeah. well. I think that there's a, a broader concept going on here. They definitely were speaking in tongues that were not their own. Mm -hmm. The question is, was all that was being heard just a result of what they were saying? Possibly. Yeah. That's that's so, and, all, and it's not necessarily limited to just the apostles, as we would call them, that are that that's happening to. It could be more that were gathered that were doing that. Well, now that brings up an interesting question because then you say, well, how many were actually involved in the speaking? And if we look at all the disciples as they're described who could have been there in the upper room, it was a much greater number than the 11 disciples. Right. A much greater number. So if they were all speaking in another language, then it would be possible for everyone to have heard in their own language what was being said. Right. Which would have meant that the message that was being given out or even one person was not limited speaking, to the one person who's one, speaking one person speaking in in a mesopotamian tongue uh, in in for a bit and then an, and then the same person maybe speaking in a cyrenian tongue you know what i mean mm -hmm. it could have been it didn't it hadn't have to be the certain I'm, number of people i'm not i'm not there does it so you said it lists the different countries how how many different um, Parthian, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygian, Pamphylia, uh, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. So that's 13. Cretans and Aaron's. 15. But those aren't all necessarily separate places. Right. Um, they could. Some of those could speak the same languages. Right. I, I think I would imagine Phrygia and Pamphylia would be one language. Right. Right. Anyway. 
And the, the fascination for the person who was listening was, it says in verse 6, And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Uh, why are these <laughs> speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? And then the list occurs mm. of how many people from how many different countries mm. they're hearing. So uh, regardless of the delivery method, what we find happening is that the disciples were speaking in tongues, languages that were not their own, and people of every one of these countries was hearing hearing in their own language in their own language mm -hmm. the things that were being spoken. Right. There right. is there is well, uh, there is question about what and who, but there's still not unknown languages there. There's that's not, right. There's not right. That's right. He heavenly language there. It's very clear that they are saying, "Aren't these Galileans?" And yet every one of us is hearing what they're saying in our own language. Mm -hmm. So they were definitely right. real languages. So what we see immediately following this, Peter Peter preaches from Old Testament knowledge from the Book of Joel. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's amazing. You go from, uh, go to Jerusalem and wait and don't do anything because you need the Spirit's power. And then immediately you have this mir miraculous um, languages happening, and then Peter speaking with power and authority right. um, uh, right. of the Scriptures. So uh, honestly, both of those are of great power from the Spirit. Yes. Both the miracle of the speaking in tongues and... Uh, Peter having the authority and the power and the wisdom to preach in the way that he needed to. And, of course, the Spirit of God is definitely a work in Peter in making this take place as, as it is. It's hard for us as we think, and it's helpful for us as we think of Peter and what he had gone through, the, uh, the, the sifting that the Lord Jesus had spoken of had brought him to the place where after he had denied the Lord, he was just a broken man. And the Lord Jesus met him on the beach mm. and talked with him, told him to feed his sheep. But he said, when you have recovered, feed my sheep. And now Jesus has this talk with him. And now, just a few days later, Peter, the broken man, is Peter the man God is using to proclaim yep. his message. Powerful preacher. Powerful right. preaching. Yep. Yep. So, this is the initiation of the church. At this point, the individuals who heard the message were baptized by the Spirit of God. There was a baptizing that took place with, uh, with water. There was a preparation of testimonies to be taken to the nations. If you think about it, this was the beginning of the church. Some of these who were gathered at that place stayed in Jerusalem. Others went back to their homes mm -hmm. and took with them the message that they had heard proclaimed that day and in the most part, for the most part, their new faith. So this was the first missionary uh, outpouring, if you will, taking place from the day of Pentecost as it was also the beginning of the church. So it's a very special day 
in every way. Now, if we look at the book of Acts, Dan and Sai, one of the things that we see emphasized here so strongly again and again is the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm. I've mentioned before that I, you could really call the book of Acts the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit or the book of the Acts of the Spirit because it's so filled with his work. Uh, we constantly see that the one who was sent by the Father and the Son is now at work in the hearts and minds and lives of this fledgling church this brand new organism, if you will, that uh, had not existed before but now existed in a very special and unique way under the direction of the Holy Spirit. So what were some of the things that the Holy Spirit was doing during this period of time? Well, he's found mentioned 55 times. He's seen actively involved in filling, showing, compelling, saying, telling, comforting, and baptizing. He was poured out, he was given, he had an opinion, he refused permission, he came upon people and he spoke through prophets. The Holy Spirit was very busy right. in the book of Acts. Yep. One of the things that um, I find um I always have to think through when I am reading the book of Acts is that um, we would believe that the Spirit in, in dwells every believer, right? But what you see early on in the book of Acts is that the Spirit being given to people mm-hmm. um, at times, so uh, given to them at a time seemingly after their faith, right? Right. Um, and so how, what would what would your... Uh, response be to that uh, when you see that in the scriptures um, and how that would ap- play out for us? I think the, the easiest way for us to understand that is to go back to a statement that I believe we've made in the past, and that is that the book of Acts is a book of transition. Mm-hmm. It's a transition from the Old Testament into the outworking of the New Covenant. And as a result of that, we expect to see sort of uh, fits and starts based upon different individuals who've had different exposure to both the Old Testament teachings, I should say, to Old Testament teachings, to the teachings of John the Baptist, and to the teachings of Jesus. Each of these groups having had different exposure to Jesus himself. So we find, for example, a situation where there are some who are followers of John who didn't know about Jesus. And so at that time, as believers, they received the Holy Spirit. They believed at that moment that Jesus Christ was the promised Messiah, received the Holy Spirit, and undoubtedly right away were baptized with water as well. In each of those situations, we understand that there is, in fact, a historical background, a reason why these individuals would not have had the full exposure to the teachings concerning Jesus that would help them to believe in Jesus. And so they were presented him, believed, and were baptized. 
So uh, when you have um, um, another city that comes to people from another city that come to faith, and then uh, the disciples go there and give the spirit to them. Mm-hmm. That's it. Would be uh, again your transition time of fits and starts, um, but also a confirmation. I think I think I see that so much the confirmation that that is the spirit's that that's the Lord's work as well. Yes, that it confirms that's that's true godliness yes. right there. And so I I do believe the um, the establishment of the giving of the spirit in different spots, not as soon as they were saved, but you know, to groups, um, is that confirmation of godliness uh, that you would see in miracles, just like Peter was talking about seeing those miracles mm-hmm. in Acts 2 right? Um, as confirming what's going on. Yes, right? uh, and you'll generally, you'll generally see situations where individuals who believed in the God of Israel but had not yet believed in Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's very often the case. Probably the the chapter in Acts that is the clearest as to how all of this was to take place timing-wise. In other words, as a person who was a Gentile came to Christ, how did that work out? Would be the, the story of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Because there when Peter goes to him, he preaches to Cornelius in his household the members of that household believe, as does Cornelius, that Jesus is the Christ. And having believed in him, they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then they're baptized with water. And so we see that uh, progression in the, in the ordinary way in which it takes place with us today. Right. So I... Um, as I've as I read through some of Acts, obviously I would agree that um, much of Acts is uh, transitioning uh, into into the early church. Um, as I kind of logically walk through it, the idea of I can tell times in my own life where I feel like the God, the Holy Spirit, is working outside of me to do something bigger than what I can do on my own. How much of that that we as believers might feel uh, or might experience, uh, is that similar to what's going on here in Acts, or is that different? Uh, would, would that be different considering we're, not, we're no longer part of that transitionary period? What would be an example of that, side that you're thinking of? Um, everything from uh, when, uh, witnessing maybe verses coming to mind that I— that I might not have memorized or memorized a long time ago, being brought back to mind or sure. uh, someone being uh, brought into my path, uh, you know, a, a situation, a, a random situation where two things meet up that shouldn't meet up, but it's mm-hmm. clearly God moving there. Um, what well, would those kind of fall into similar things of what's happening here in the church in acts um, or is that, or we say it's just, it's just different. Because of a different... Because it was a transition period? Right. Yeah. Uh, I think what we, what we are experiencing when each of those things you described takes place is the help of the Holy Spirit. I really do. I believe that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. As we see the transition taking place here, what we find ourselves 
facing, Sai, is the interesting situation of believers who could have experienced the work of the Holy Spirit in the past, much as the disciples had, for example. Um, But now, because of the fact that the baptism of the Holy Spirit has taken place, they have a new relationship with the Holy Spirit. They're experiencing the Holy Spirit's activity in their lives in various ways that they've never experienced before. Plus, we have the activity of the, uh, the apostles who are going about under the direction of the Spirit of God, saying things and doing things that they had never been empowered to do before. Uh, in fact, during Jesus' ministry, sometimes the disciples were sent out to do various things, and they would come back defeated because they couldn't do what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. And he would tell them, well, you know, this is how it is done. Um, he would comfort them, encourage them, and help them to know that there would be a time when they would be able to do that, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. So now they're experiencing it. Now it's real to them in a way that it wouldn't have been before. So I think as we move through this book of transition, we see many people who are moved from a, a perhaps less dynamic experience of the work of the Holy Spirit, knowing that he's at work generally, to a personal experience of the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I, in answering your question, I do think there is, there is a similar work going on, but done differently. I would think the the purpose of the <clears throat> spirit coming at Pentecost and it being evident was to confirm Christ as Messiah to confirm these ones as ones who are filled right it was there's a confirming work that happened then that is not working in the same way now right mm-hmm. um, oh yeah but the but the giving wisdom uh, uh, Peter sharing from the book of Joel and from the life of David just after that, giving wisdom, giving power, right, <laughs> giving authority, that's, it really is the same as now. Okay. Um, so you were, right. I was were saying, you referring I wasn't to saying Acts that, chapter 2? No, were you referring I wasn't to saying Pentecost, I'm saying the early yeah, church. That's what right. I thought but, you were But saying. again, there are, there are um, miraculous works that are purposefully public, to confirm mm-hmm. who Christ is, because that's who they're preaching of. Right. Um, that is not. Um, God can still do that. He can still do those miracles. Right. But that's not the time period we're in now. Right. Um, so there is a difference, but it is in many cases the same. The same things happening. The same wisdom given. The same um, spiritual understanding given. Those, the Spirit is still doing those things, but the purpose of the the transition time in the book of Acts, much of it was confirming the truth, confirming the message. And that's something that we're going to be paying more attention to as we continue our studies on the Holy Spirit. We're going to see that there were gifts that were given in the early church that were appropriate to that time in which there was a necessity to confirm the messages that were given, 
to demonstrate the authority of the individuals who were speaking and to show that they were, in fact, from God and that this was God's work. Mm -hmm. And those confirmatory things we're going to be studying as we go along, and they have a definite relationship to issues like um, doing miraculous works today, uh, whether we should expect to be speaking in tongues today and things like that. So there's definitely... um and, and not only is it confirming, but it's also fulfilling prophecy, mm-hmm. right? That, like, like the book of Joel saying that these things would happen. So um, it is a transition time that is different from the time we're in now, but the Spirit's work in many ways was the same as what we see now. Mm-hmm. There are similarities, and then, but there's, there's, a, but there's a, yes. a, a publicness to it that um, I, I would believe we see less of today. So... All right. Um, well, we've jumped through uh, Pentecost and early Acts, and uh, we will continue on as it gets closer to how it's how things are operating today um, in our next time. So it's been good being with you uh, again today, and uh, the Holy Spirit is powerful. Uh, Jesus said it's good that He go away so that the Spirit could come. So uh, it's it's amazing. I, I do think sometimes we look at the Old Testament miracles and we think oh man it would be so amazing to look to, to have lived then you know and it would be it'd be pretty neat to see the red sea parted and mm-hmm. and some of those uh, uh great miracles that happen uh, but uh, as many other pastors have said uh, in my life how much the old testament saints would look at us and think oh if the spirit could be with us all the time like that how good that would be right mm-hmm. uh, and so yeah. i think we we see their side but i think we are the privileged ones, right? Having the spirit with us all the time. So, well, it's good being with you today. Um, Hope that you grow in your relationship with the Lord and strengthened in your confidence that uh, you can do all the things that God uh, calls you to do, to live um, victoriously, even if it's through challenge, but to live victoriously because you know uh, who you've believed and the power that is in you. So how good that is. Thanks for joining with us today, and uh, have a great week. We will see you next time.